The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this enormous news day, one of the biggest ever, uh, I think, in the three, four years you've been doing the show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm feeling enormous. Yeah, yeah. that's how I'm right. feeling. <laughs> I will leave that uh, right there. Yo! I absolutely. I don't know where Joe is going with that. I know Joe started today when I talked to him on the on the uh, on the Skype call before in a British accent. I don't know if it was after the UK foreign involvement show we did yesterday. <laughs> right, he gets stuff in his head like the pirate day, which thankfully has gone uh, the way of the <laughs> woolly mammoth, and it never leaves. So who knows what's in Joe's head at any given time. Um, all right, we're, we're waiting to see uh, right now as we're recording to see if uh, I'm going to keep track of this on the air. Yep. Um, if Dr. Ford shows up and in fact testifies. I, I Again, I'm even now, I'm still not sure this is going to happen. I am. Uh, I will be astonished if it goes down that way. Um, all right, I've got a stacked show for you today, including some uh, some new information that broke yesterday. Uh, but let's get right to it. I don't want to waste any more of your time here. I like to banter, but this is an important news day. Okay, uh, Gen Ucell, Gen Ucell, thank you for sponsoring the show. My wife and mother in law absolutely love the Gen Ucell Sunspot Corrector. They love it. Matter of fact, here's an email we got about it. I love the Gen Ucell Sunspot Corrector. It's my go-to product every day. I have sun and age spots and can see a definite difference in my skin since using it. That was Renee from Boulder, Colorado, raving about the brand new Gen Ucell Sunspot Corrector. But I don't. Need, I love Renee. You're great. But I hear it from my mother-in-law and my wife all the time, especially down here in Florida where the sun's pretty intense. You have to see it to believe it. Watch your sunspots, age spots, and even red and flame patches vanish right before your eyes. Really good stuff. And just like Renee, if you text young, that's young, like I look young, which you will, young, Y-O-U-N-G, to 77453, you'll get the GenuCell Sunspot Corrector free for just trying GenuCell for bags and puffiness. In fact, if you text young to 77453, 77453, you'll get five, that's right, five skin repairing products absolutely free to try with your order of GenuCell. See those stubborn sunspots vanish, even the ones you've had for years, and those bags and puffiness gone. And for results in less than 12 hours, the GenuCell immediate effects is also yours free. Text the word YOUNG, like the opposite of old, to 77453 for Chamonix's craziest sale this year. All right, let's get to first thing. Uh, first things first. Joe, uh, where's Linthicum Heights, Maryland? You live in Maryland. Yeah, it's over by the uh, Thurgood Marshall Baltimore Washington International Airport. Okay. Now, did I, I asked you that before the show, right? But I didn't tell you why, yeah, correct? Yeah, you wanted to wait. <laughs> now, when you say the Baltimore-Washington Airport, you, you live in Maryland, so you're assuming, that's in Maryland, correct? Absolutely. Where you live. It's, yeah. What is it, about 15 miles from your house, north, maybe west Not or even, so? Probably about 10 miles from Pasadena, yeah. Okay. Planes fly over here on their glide pl- path all the yeah, time. It's yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. I know. I lived right near Joe. Joe used to come up to my house. We used to do the podcast together in studio, which, uh, hint, hint, we will be doing together at some point soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But um, why did I bring that up to you? Uh, he has no idea. Yeah. Because, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Dr. Blasey Ford, who had claimed uh, a couple of weeks ago to uh, through a surrogate and her attorney that she could not meet uh, the 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 deadline for getting to Washington D.C. Um, in time for a Monday hearing. Remember, I told you the Thursday day today was strategic because it would delay the seating of Kavanaugh if the hearing happened on Thursday until right. after the October first seating, uh, which is uh, an important date. Um, she had said that through her attorney because she uh, alleges she had a fear of flying. Doctor Ford, who made these allegations against uh, Judge Kavanaugh about this uh, sexual assault thirty years ago, so. Where does Dr. Ford live? 
Dr. Ford lives in California. Where was the polygraph that she, the polygraph test uh, uh, that she was given? Where was it? Uh, where was it issued? Linthicum Heights, Maryland, on October seventh. Jeez. Which Joe, as Joe accurately said, I did not coordinate with this. I just wanted to make sure yeah. he remembered where that actually was. Yeah. It's clear as day. It she went to the Hilton Hotel, which I've been to before. I know very well in Linthicum Heights, Maryland, yeah. which is right near what Joe, Baltimore, Washington International Airport. Yeah. BWI. BWI, where me and Joe have flown out of countless amount of times. Me, gosh, over 100 times easily when I used to live in Severna Park, Maryland. So my question to you again is if this is a adversarial hearing, which everything should be, you know, every this this nobody has the right to be believed. They have the right to be heard and to produce evidence in a fair society, in a constitutional republic. The right to be believed creates a dangerous precedent where anybody's allegation at any time can result in the destruction of somebody's life without evidence. That's, that's what that means by default. You have the right to be heard. I don't think anybody questions that. Now, the evidence being produced by Dr. Ford since they released yesterday, and I have a great Twitchy article up on my uh, show notes today, up on Gino.com. You subscribe to our email list, of course. I'll email these right to you. They released their polygraph, and what's interesting about Dr. Blasey Ford's um, slow drip of information is as they release information, Joe, the information winds up hurting their cause more than helping. Mm -hmm. They keep releasing additional stuff and additional information, which contradicts her initial charges. The number of people involved in the incident keeps changing. Mm -hmm. And now I don't even think they realized it. There was some pressure to release the polygraph report, which I on this show as well asked for. And I want to get to some other things about that too. But the first question about it, we have two big questions is number one, if you're afraid of flying, how did you get to the polygraph? Now, you drove? You drove 3,000 miles to a polygraph test? Whoa. Which is, it, that's really um, impressive. I mean, listen, if that's the case, that, uh, and I'm not saying it's not, but that shows a lot of dedication if you drove 3,000 miles. Um, if you took a, a plane, which is more likely because of the location of the hotel right near the airport, um, I am not quite sure uh, how you get around the fact that you just told Senate investigators that you had a fear of flying and could not make the Monday hearing. Um, again, facts matter, Joe. They should mean something. Yeah. Folks, understand where I'm going with this. This is no, that you have the right to be heard, but the accused also has the right to hear your evidence that he or she is in fact guilty. Or we live in a society um, where any accusation at any time turns into the Salem witch trials. Where, where, it, remember the Salem witch trials? What was it? What was the test? The test is they would drown you in water, and if you floated or something, you were a witch, right? After they did, I mean, it was like the most ridiculous thing ever. You, the right, the, the evidence matters. The evidence here they keep releasing for Dr. Ford's team keeps releasing. Here are our witnesses. The witnesses say it didn't happen. Here's the number of people, but here's a different number of people that were there, but here's a different number of people. The, the information that Dr. Ford's team is releasing, their information is turning out to be wrong. I'm afraid of flying. Well, how'd you get to the polygraph? You took a polygraph next to BWI Airport. Did you not? Did you guys, did your team not think that through? Secondly, Joe, the polygraph. Now, yeah. let me set this up. I'm going to give you, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know where you're going. <laughs> there were two. Two, not 20, not 200. Two questions on the polygraph. I'm going to get to the questions in a second. But before that, again, the advantage of you listening to this show, not to pat myself on the back, is I have been through a lot of this stuff, having had a, an 
actual job uh, before I came on the air <laughs> is a federal agent. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we'll get to that later. No, maybe we will. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> but having been a former federal agent, I've seen and done a lot of this stuff. I took a polygraph as an applicant uh, when I was a New York City police officer as an applicant to the Secret Service. I remember it well because I was so upset that I had to put my uh, NYPD-issued firearm in a lockbox. Hmm? Yeah, I was like, what the hell is this? Hmm. I go into Seven World Trade Center. I'm a cop in New York City. Yeah. I was like, this is my city. And they're like, no, you got to lock up your Smith & Wesson 5946 in a lockbox. You can't come into the office with that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we work together all the time, the NYPD and the Secret Service. I was so mad about that. So, sorry, I don't want to get off topic. Nice. So I go in for the polygraph, my initial polygraph. Uh, listen, I'm going to disclose to you something I don't have to, but I'm going to do it for the sake of, you know, you all have invested a lot of time in me, and um, I'd like you to know things about me, even if they are uncomfortable. My first polygraph was with a guy named Craig. I'm not going to give his last name, but he was a Secret Service agent. And he was good. He was an excellent, excellent polygrapher. The test was, I don't remember the exact time, but I'm going to guess it was between five to six hours long. There were well over, I don't know, 200 questions. Yeah. A lot of it, some of it's biographical. Folks, the reason, again, on the polygraph, I can't explain this to you in strong enough terms because it establishes how the story on the Miss Ford's team is slowly falling apart. Oh, we took a polygraph. Therefore, this has to be true. This polygraph would be laughed, laughed out of court. This I, I can't imagine professional polygraphers with serious experience in this arena lending any kind of, oh, look at this. Wow. She did show up. Oh. This is incredible. Let's see. Wow. I, listen, hey, folks, uh, I said she wouldn't. She's there. She's there right now. So let's see what she has to say. There's a lawyer, Miss Katz, right next to her. But the polygraph. Joe, why do you think you would set up a polygraph if you're trying to, I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to ask. It'd be unfair. One of the reasons they do this and they ask a bunch of biographical questions first and then they set it up with a bunch of questions gauging your is to gauge your physiological Base, response. A base, baseline, yeah? Yeah, a baseline, exactly. A baseline measure of how you answer questions and your breathing rate, your pulse, mm -hmm. every, your blood pressure, how it goes up and down. They'll ask you questions that are... First, they start off with just normal stuff. What's your name? Joe Armacost. Where'd you go to school? Blah, blah, blah. What are your parents' names? Then they'll ask you questions that create a level of uncomfort, knowing you would likely lie to some of them. Have you ever cheated on a test? Listen, unfortunately, you know, some 30, 40% of people have. But what are they going to say in a polygraph? No, 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 no. I never cheated on a test. So then they'll ask you other Have you ever lied to your parents? Listen, everybody's lied to their parents. They know you're probably going to say no, though, because you're trying to create an impressionable uh, when you're an applicant for the Secret Service, right? Mm -hmm. This is how they get... This takes hours, an hour or two, just to get a baseline measure. The fact that Dr. Ford was asked two questions about a written statement she gave, a written, I mean, literally written, not even typed, like written with a pen on a piece of paper. And you can see it in the Twitchy article I have up there that, that she was asked two questions. The two questions were this, is any part of your statement false? And did you make up any part of your statement? That's it. Don't, were there any bio questions in advance? How long did the test go on? Come on, folks. What, I mean, seriously. Would they use a bird in a cage? I don't know. I have no idea what they use. I, I what, like Polly. to, to <laughs> sing? If the yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know. Yeah, I know exactly what you are. You are lying. lying. I don't know. Is any <laughs> part of your statement false? Did you make up any part of your statement, folks? This is an outrageous polygraph test. This mm. should be thrown out right yeah. away. Um, I, 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 
Yeah, Dude. Yeah, two questions. I don't, I don't even know. There's no... Mine was... Six, oh, one more, more thing, just so I finish it up. Um, I, mine was six hours long, and it was still inconclusive. Now, yeah, and you may say, well, how did you get hired by the Secret Service? Again, it's not the most comfortable thing to talk about. Um, it was inconclusive. Didn't mean you know there was any deception. There wasn't. Obviously, I got the job. But I was really nervous on game day. I needed that job bad. I wanted it. I really wanted to get out of the NYPD. I was having a rough time. It was my whole life. I mean, I, the Secret Service was a really tough competitive environment back then. They were hiring one out of every 4,000 applicants Whoa. or something like that. And I was nervous. So I came back. They said, listen, um, we can't say yay or nay on this. So if you want to come back for a second one, there's just a couple questions we had. It wasn't the whole thing. It was just a couple questions they had inconclusive results on. I came back for another two hours. Another two hours with a guy named Mark, and yeah, I passed with flying colors, obviously. So, or else I wouldn't have been in the Secret Service. Just to show you how the polygraph works, so we can instantly throw that out. Uh, more updates on this. So, two men have stepped forward uh, last night. Now, I, I'm not, unlike the Democrats, I'm not sure they're credible or not. The Democrats, of course, believe anybody who comes forward at all times in the absence of evidence or corroboration, but. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you this. Two men stepped forward as of last night, and we're talking to the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, committee and are claiming that they were the ones involved in the attack on, uh, on Dr. Ford and that she is confusing, uh, confusing them with Judge Kavanaugh. Again, unlike the Democrats, I'm not rushing to judgment on that. You understand what I'm saying, Joe, right? Two guys, yeah. why they would come forward and say they were the ones who did this. My wife was like, well, why would they do that? Yeah. I don't know. But I'm not going to be irresponsible. Like Democrats go, oh, it's problem solved. Problem solved. These two guys did it. It wasn't Kavanaugh mistaken. I don't know. Um, Lindsey Graham himself, who's been a... Listen, Graham's been good on this, no matter where he is on amnesty and other things. Lindsey Graham has been absolutely at the forefront of this case saying, I am absolutely behind Kavanaugh. Graham was on Fox and Friends just a little while ago, give you a quick update and said, listen, one of them I'm not so sure about. The guy who called in, I think he, his, the quote was, sounds a little crazy or something like that. So I just want to caution you to be careful because we don't, you know, unlike liberals where their credibility is about to be shot to Hades, uh, we don't want to do that ourselves and jump to conclusions. You see where I'm going with that, Joe? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. be careful. This, um, sure. I, I'm, I'm not sure that this is uh, accurate yet, but a quick update on that. Um, another update on the case before this hearing starts. And ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere, by the way. I've got some... Really, really cool stuff supplementing yesterday. Uh, um, I've got another really fascinating angle. You're not going to want to go anywhere. So don't, don't leave the show. This is, we're going to wrap this up in a few minutes. I just want to make sure you have all the info. In case you think this is about Brett Kavanaugh. Say, Dan, of course it's about Brett Kavanaugh. The allegations are being made about Brett Kavanaugh. Ladies and gentlemen, it is absolutely not about Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is the victim of it. I'll explain what it is mm -hmm. in a second. But it is not about Kavanaugh. It is about keeping this Supreme Court seat open through the midterm elections, potentially even through 2020, to rile up the liberal base of donors and activists to get them to vote and basically obstruct uh, the, 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 uh, the filling of the Supreme Court seat no matter what. Yep. Cap, no matter, the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't matter who was in that seat. And Trump knows this. There's a reason at the press conference yesterday, Joe. That Donald Trump, he said something, you know, I love the way Trump is at press conferences. He said, I could have nominated George Washington for the seat and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. The Senate wouldn't confirm. He's right. It's not about Kavanaugh. It is about immoral, unethical, and some evil Democrats who are 
just will destroy anyone getting in their way in their efforts to keep this seat open. Now, Josh Holmes, I think his name is Holmes. He appears on Fox a lot. Uh, he was a former uh, advisor to the Senate. He, he usually has some good input on stuff. He sent out a tweet last night, which was terrific. He said, listen, don't you find it a little suspicious that a group Joe called a far left group, by the way, demand justice uh-huh. has already purchased the domain name stopconybarrett.com or .org or whatever it is. They've already purchased it. A left-leaning group. You say, what? I don't get it. Why is a left-leaning group? I didn't say stop Kavanaugh. Right. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. You say, who the heck is Coney Barrett? Amy Coney Barrett was the runner-up by many, who she was one of the final three, along with, uh, was it, Ketheridge, uh, who were in, uh, in the running for this seat by Donald Trump. She is a terrific conservative judge. She was my second choice, actually, after Mike Lee. I thought Mike Lee was a better fit for it, for the position. But you remember me talking about yep. Amy Coney Barrett? Oh, yeah. Folks, the left is, how do I say this? Do not sleep on the left. These people, you may not agree with them. I know, obviously, you don't if you're probably here. But do not for a second underestimate their tactical capacity for developing plan A, plan B, plan C, all the way out to plan Z. They are already planning if Kavanaugh were to withdraw, which he should not under any circumstances at this point, given what we've seen. And Trump is showing no signs of backing down. Either is the Senate, thankfully. And I think Flake might actually vote and get him out of committee, which would be good. I hope so. I hope you all are emailing him and calling his office. The left is already planning to sabotage Coney Barrett if she is in turn nominated. to. And I'm not suggesting we should do that. I'm just telling you that the left has already thought through these contingencies. It is not about Kavanaugh. It is about keeping the seat open. They've already bought the domain name. Stop Coney Barrett. Stop Coney Barrett. This is, the signs are already printed up, folks. This is already thought out and thought through. Make absolutely no mistake. Okay, one final note on this before I move on to some other stuff, because you're going to get this all day, and I think with my show, I owe you some other stuff, too. I mean, uh, you know, you can turn into the news and get all all Kavanaugh all the time. (laughs) But I want you to smile a little bit today. I know a lot of you are worn down by this. Um, I know it bothers a lot of you all, and it should. This is um, a new low for American politics, and that's saying a lot. I mean, we are now crashing through the floor of what we thought was a moral uh, basement, and we're now into the subterranean space beneath the basement floor, um, headed rapidly towards the core of depravity. Mm-hmm. It's sad to watch. Um, and it's sad to watch because I think a lot of us see Kavanaugh as kids, and we're like, what if that was us? No ability to defend yourself, no possible way to clear your name. For the rest of his life, he's going to have people yelling at him in restaurants, you're a rapist. I mean, this is what's going to happen to this man. Now, if there was evidence that he was, in fact, a rapist, we'd say, oh, let's get rid of him. There isn't any. The man's life is going to be ruined. Now, you may say, well, what's the good news? That doesn't sense. Well, that isn't the good news. And I just want to encourage you all, and, and Brett Kavanaugh himself, if he ever happens to listen to my show, I'm not sure he did. pretty sure he doesn't actually, but we have a big enough audience that maybe someday can someone could pass this on. 
you know, I, I can't say to you that I'm not a big quotes guy because I think people resort to quotes when they don't have interest, anything interesting to say themselves. But the Bernard Malamud line from The Natural, of all things. Remember The, the Natural? The, most mm-hmm. people have seen the movie with yeah. uh, uh, Robert Redford. Right. But the book is really terrific. And she kind of says it in the, the girlfriend in the movie, too. She says, you know, we all live two lives. The one we learn from and the one we live after that. And the path to true happiness is through suffering. I, that is, folks, that is so true. I can't say that enough. Shallow happiness is drugs, narcotics, opioids, alcohol, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is a reason a lot of those people, you know, the Kurt Cobains of the world, uh, they they kill themselves. I'm not knocking. He probably had some severe psychological issues, too, obviously, to take his own life in the way he did. I'm just saying, like, that there's a shallow happiness in that. The real happiness is through overcoming some serious suffering for a greater cause. Kavanaugh has clearly shown a dedication to public service and a cause higher than himself throughout his, throughout his life. His character, he'll never get back, folks. That's the bad news. I'm sorry. Um, he, I'm, I shouldn't say that. His character is strong. His reputation, I don't want to confuse the two. That's a big actual mistake. I want to make sure you understand. His reputation, he'll never get that back. The left owns academia. The left owns the media. The left will make sure for the rest of his life they do to him what they did to Clarence Thomas. They take, and not a good man, but an outstanding man with a life of serving causes higher themselves, and they make sure that his life is destroyed forever and his reputation. But I want Judge Kavanaugh to know, just like I, I know Clarence Thomas knows, that this was not all in vain, that you put yourself and that to his kids, you're going through this as well for a higher cause greater than yourself, fighting for principles that are larger than life. Unfortunately, you had to go through this, and I feel for you. And I have not gone through anything even remotely close to what you have. But having, you know, run for office myself and knowing people who have, who on a much smaller scale have been subjected to, to nonsense and, and, and harassment and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. When you come through it on the other side, you feel like you really accomplished something. Now, here's the smile part. Sorry, but I wanted to be, I just don't want to sound so macabre today. Article in the Washington Examiner up at the show notes, I strongly, strongly encourage you to read. It's uh, by Paul Bedard, Washington Secrets. It is excellent. It's probably less than 400 words. You can read it in two minutes. Here's a quote, Joe. While health care and the economy typically rank among the top issues for voters, there is no trend to pass midterms on the importance of court appointments. Why did I read the quote first without giving you the lead? Folks, there is no trend in modern times for voters when asked, what matters to you most, Joe? I get you on the phone calling you about a poll. Mm-hmm. Hey, Joe, you're going to vote. I'm going to vote. What matters, number one, to you? Typically, health care and the economy are one and two. Mm-hmm. Immigration's been creeping up lately. There is no trend in modern times for people to say, Supreme Court appointments. Joe, let me just uh, throw a question. You probably already have figured out the answer to you in the audience mm-hmm. as well. What do you think in the recent Pew Research survey, what do you think ranked as the number one issue to voters just given recently? Uh, Dan, I'll take a guess and say uh, Supreme Court appointments. You would be right. Ding, 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 ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Folks, smile a bit. I told you I was right. I said to you, my, I have never, I said this on Fox. I said it here. I have never seen Uh -uh. since Obamacare Uh -uh. in modern times, right, Joe? You're at CBM. Joe gets listener callers for, what, four hours? You're on five to nine, right? Yeah, I can't believe it. The people are furious about this. Wow. I got a guy in my gym, right? Wow. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to, you know, he has clients and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. 
buddy. He comes up to me the other day in a treadmill. He's like, that's just crazy. The guy's only marginally involved in politics at all. He's like, I can't believe this. This is the craziest thing I have ever seen. Are these people out of their minds? I have emails, emails. I mean, if I, given that I don't publicize emails unless people give me permission, hundreds and hundreds of emails, hundreds of them from people. I'm an independent. I'm voting Republican because of this. I'm a never Trumper. I'm voting Republican because of this. I'm a Democrat. This is sickening. Folks, now we have the actual data to back it up. The number one issue in the Pew Research poll, Supreme Court appointments. Ladies and gentlemen, on the Republican side, I want you to smile a little bit today knowing that the Democrats have completely blown it. 1,000%. They have absolutely decimated and destroyed their credibility. Now, we've been pretty good at predictions. Matter of fact, if you go back to our SoundCloud account and listen to uh, mine and Joe's show the night before the presidential (laughs) election, we called every single state. Uh, I'm going to predict here that if, if this continues, this character assassination continues, there is going to be massive blowback. Now, we may still lose the House by a sliver, but on the Senate side, on the Senate side, where the Senate... The House does not vote on Supreme Court appointments. I, you know, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. Most of you know that. The Senate is exclusively in the advice and consent role here. The House has nothing to do with the House of Representatives. On the Senate side, if Kavanaugh, if this continues to damage Kavanaugh, and this continues even after he's appointed, the character attacks on Kavanaugh and his family in an effort to impeach him, the blowback is going to be massive. The Republicans have a chance to take over three, four, five seats in the Senate. And forget three, including holding everyone they have. Check that. Check the show. 26 minutes in on whatever day. What is it? September 27th. I don't even know. I lose track. Yeah, September 27th. 27th. All right. All right. Um, I got a lot more to get to. Some really, really cool stories. Jeff Carlson over at the Epoch Times. He does a really good job. I have some great pieces by him. So I want to cover that. But also, today's show, always appreciate your patience. We have great sponsors. Again, they always want to talk to you, and they want to be here on our show with our audience. So I really appreciate it. I always appreciate you giving them a look. Hey, quality jeans, right? They look great, fit great, and feel great. But they used to cost you hundreds. Now, seriously, if you ever been to the mall and gone into these uh, designer jean stores, they're it's out of control. I mean, some of them are like two, three hundred dollars. Yeah. You're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. I remember growing up with like the Gap and Levi's. They were like twenty dollars or something. Yeah. Those days are gone. So Mott and Bow said, Nah, nah, we got no time for that. They have permanently changed the game with two hundred two hundred dollar designer jeans for half the price. They're not kidding. Introducing Mottenbow.com. You can get the most comfortable premium jeans. These are the real deal you will ever wear for half of what you pay elsewhere for AG or seven jeans. Now, my wife, they were kind enough, Mottenbow, to send my wife and me a pair. I love mine. Can't take them off. But my wife, you know I love my wife. They look spectacular. I married up big time, but she's like, I can't believe it. These are great. These are luxury jeans for 100 bucks, and you can get them at mottenbow.com. You can only get them at mottenbow.com. Most comfortable because they use the best in comfort technology like Dynamic Stretch Premium because they only source their denim from two of the most well-respected denim mills in the world. To make sure your jeans fit you properly, this is great. They have an at-home try-on guarantee. Request a second pair with your order. Try on both. Keep one. Send back the other in the same box with a prepaid label. No worries. Pretty simple. These are $200 designer jeans for half the price. They are beautiful. Plus, their September savings event means you will save 20% on everything at mottandbow.com slash Dan. That's Mott with two Ts, M-O-T-T and Bow, B-O-W.com slash Dan, mottandbow.com slash Dan. 
for 20% off on everything. This is the best deal anywhere, but only for the month of September. Save 20% during Mott and Bow's September savings event. Mottenbow.com slash dad. Love them. Love them. If you see me in public, those are Mott and Bow. Okay. Uh, you know, a question's been creeping up in my head that I brought up last, uh, maybe not two weeks ago, but it's really starting to bother me lately. Folks, who's helping Joseph Mifsud? Remember this conversation? Yeah. This has been, I don't like to cover topics twice, and I'm bringing it up today for a reason. But Jeff Carlson, I have in the show notes today a must-read piece about the Australian and UK involvement uh, in the in the spying scandal on Donald Trump. And, and Carlson goes through some really significant connections and information. Some you've heard, some you may not have. But it's a very good summary of what's gone on up to this point. And it, it got me to thinking about this conversation you and I had a couple weeks ago about Joseph Mifsud. Now, remember, Mifsud, uh, the Maltese professor, is the one who starts this whole scandal mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. because he's the one who, according to the allegations, approaches George Papadopoulos from the Trump team um, in in April and says something about the Russians, ha- Russians having information on Hillary. Now, according to the Democrat version of events, uh, Mifsud is a Russian asset. According to a number of folks who are highly suspicious of what Mifsud's intentions were, Mifsud's connections, at least we know from pictures and publicly available information, Mifsud's known connections, this is not a mystery. I don't say this dispositively, but I say if you're interested in the information, this is out there. Mifsud's known connections are to Western intelligence, including United Kingdom intelligence assets, which begs the obvious question, what was Mifsud's motivation? Who was Mifsud working for? Who was he working with? Why did he approach the Trump team? And, and, and question number one in triaging your importance. Did someone ask Mifsud to approach Papadopoulos? And was that someone related to friendly intelligence assets, the United Kingdom or the Australians? This is a critical question. Now, the FBI interviewed Mifsud in February of 2017 after Mifsud came to the United States for a State Department-linked uh, conference. This was a TIDES conference. Now, how the State Department would be working at a conference to co-sponsor or be involved with a conference that an alleged Russian spy asset was coming to speak to um, is bizarre. Understand what I'm telling you. The liberal narrative is that Mifsud was some Russian asset willing to pass information to the Trump team through Papadopoulos, right? We're clear. The State Department's working with this conference, this Tides conference in February. Mifsud enters the United States, apparently at State Department approval, right? Comes into the country to speak at this conference. The FBI interviews him, and you're telling me this guy was a Russian spy speaking at a conference the State Department was working with the promoters on. I mean, this is so beyond stupid, you have to be an imbecile to believe he was an actual (laughs) Russian asset, right? Now, the Bureau interviews him in February. Mm Mm-hmm. We've never seen or heard from Mifsud again. Now, again, a couple of weeks ago, I brought this up, but it's important now because I'm starting to seriously wonder who is helping Mifsud hide. Folks, my experience as a federal agent, it is absolutely impossible to hide. It is uh, without some sort of state help. Now, if there's state help involved, it's very easy to hide. I mean, there are a number of places in the world uh, you can be sheltered and, and put away and given a new identity. It's actually quite easy. But without state help, it is extremely difficult. To, I mean, let me give you just an easy example. Mm-hmm. A guy who had deep, deep K 
connections, a fear network, and a network of people giving him money and time was found hiding in a hole somewhere in the world one because uh, it's impossible. Who was that person? Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. You can't hide. It's impossible if there's not a state-sponsored entity to help you. It's almost impossible. Is someone helping Mifsud? Now, the reason I bring this up is because Mifsud's known connections are to United Kingdom intelligence officials, Claire Smith and others. Now, I'm not suggesting there's a connection here, but I'm, I'm asking you, is it a fair question? If the Democrats are going to allege this was some kind of a Russian spy who was passing this information off. And we know, Joe, we now know that Mifsud, through his own photos and publicly available information, had deep ties to UK intelligence assets and was brought into a conference to speak with the, uh, that the State Department was present. Is it fair enough to ask, well, if this guy was a Russian spy... Did he penetrate our State Department and the United Kingdom intelligence assets? Is there a damage assessment? And if there isn't, why? Are you picking up what I'm putting down here? Yeah. If a Russian spy, as the liberals say, has photos and connections through teaching opportunities others to United Kingdom, friendly intelligence assets, we know this, and was at a conference with the State Department, did, does this guy, how did we let a Russian spy in here? How did the United Kingdom folks let this Russian spy get so close to their people? Do you understand none of this makes any sense? No, it doesn't make any sense. Where's the damage assessment? Yeah. Is someone helping this guy hide? Now, the reason I ask that is because the United Kingdom and the Australians are now, based on their, the evidence that they've contacted, that he said it himself, that two foreign governments contacted him, the pre- President Trump, that is, said two foreign governments contacted him and asked him to withhold some of the information in the declassification. Is it not a fair question to ask? Does any of this involve Ms. Sud? How is this guy hiding? And how could you hide in today's globally interconnected financial and electronic monitor, electronically monitored world? How can you hide without state help? And if he is hiding with state help, who are the state actors that are helping this guy? That question is so simple and it makes so much sense. I can't believe it. I haven't thought of it or anyone else. First time no, I heard of Joe, it. I have I have not heard anybody talking about Super this. Simple. I have not heard anybody asking the basic and the reason I say it is first, huh. when I was a federal agent, it is so easy. To, I, I mean listen, I let, let me put this out there as a public service announcement to you. If you commit a crime in the United States today, it, it is very, very difficult anymore for you to hide. You basically have to live on cash and cash alone with no bank account. Uh, which creates a significant problem because your money's going to eventually be stolen because you're probably running with criminals anyway mm-hmm. when they find out you have money. It is almost impossible. Now, people do manage to do it. They do manage to pull it off over time. But it is very difficult without state help to hide from intelli- the intelligence community, the foreign intelligence community, the FBI, local law enforcement. It is nearly impossible. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what we would do, but it, some of it's pretty simple. Just simple internet searches, you can find people sometimes. I mean, all you have to do is issue a subpoena. All you have to do is get a, you know, I mean, you get a subpoena for a guy's uh, Easy Pass record and you find out an Easy Pass, oh, he just crossed the Verrazano Bridge, you know, an hour ago. It's not hard. It really isn't. So that was quite, it's important. That was in question number one. Secondly, pretty cool. I bring this up again because Mifsud had very significant connections to United Kingdom intelligence assets. We know this 
through his own publicly available you know, photographs that are out there, some of his teaching opportunities at these campuses where other people from UK intelligence showed up. Joe, the former head of MI6, a guy named by the name of Richard Dearlove, has Richard Dearlove, excuse me, has some very suspicious connections in this, laid out pretty uh, pretty elegantly in Jeff Carlson's piece in the Epoch Times, which again I strongly encourage you to to read today in the show notes. I want to just read to you quickly from his piece to show you what's going on here. Remember, keep in mind, MI6, the UK, their premier intelligence outlet, they have MI5 and MI6, right? The former head of that outlet, Dear Love, a guy who I don't think he is the John Brennan um, of, uh, well, you're calling anybody John Brennan probably impugns their character even worse than you can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He is the head, He is the equivalent of uh, basically a central intelligence agency head in his country. This guy is unquestionably connected deeply into the IC, the intelligence community. This is from Carlson's piece about Dear Love. And I'll, I'll make this connection in a minute. Because it makes a world of sense now why the United Kingdom is panicking about what appears to be, I should always just give the lead first, so it's, it appears to be an information laundering scheme. Remember, Devin Nunes has been clear as day that there were no official intelligence channels used to pass this information to the United States government. The question now becomes, if they weren't official intelligence channels, Joe, why not? And I told you why not, mm-hmm. because the information would have been vetted and would have been laughed at. Mm-hmm by rank-and-file people in the IC would have been like, this is garbage. This case is a joke. You want me to print this in the presidential daily brief? Are you kidding? The second question then becomes, if we know now, why not, that it wouldn't have been vetted? What exactly were the non-official channels? That has become the question now. Was it the State Department, which appears obvious at this point, the U.S. State Department? Were intelligence people involved with the State Department to give it some air of credibility? And is there a reason that the United Kingdom intelligence assets involved were people who were formerly associated. In other words, they can use the credibility of saying, hey, this guy was MI6. You mean now? No, no, was. He was, was, was. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm going? Yeah. Because yeah. if he was actual MI6, they'd have to push it through official channels and vet the information. Yeah. Why do former MI6 folks, MI5 folks, why do they all keep appearing here? We have Christopher Steele. We have Dear Love. Why do they keep appearing in this story? Here's the lead. The lead is because that was the unofficial channel to give it an official air of intelligence while using political channels at the same time. Does that make sense? They use the State Department bureaucratic channels, not intelligence channels, to avoid vetting crap information to feed to the White House and others, okay? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But they did it, and they couldn't use official channels. So by not using official channels and using people that were retired, formers, it gives it the air of intelligence, but it's not. It's political information. Now, here's where it gets suspicious with dear love. And I'm starting to ask some real questions about this guy. Again, the former head of this outlet, he says, it was he, dear love, who advised Christopher Steele and his business partner, Burroughs, to work with a top British government official, oh, I wonder who that is, to pass along information to the FBI in the fall of 2016. Dear Love was also a speaker at the July 2016 Cambridge Symposium that Stefan Halper invited Carter Page to attend. Is Dear Love, what is his involvement in this exactly? So he's at this Cambridge Symposium where a U.S. intelligence asset, Stefan Halper, invites uh, Carter Page from the Trump team to attend. He works with uh, this guy uh, Burroughs and he works with Steele to pass information to the FBI. 
Dear Love, here he goes on, Carlson. Dear Love knows Halper through their mutual association at the Cambridge Intelligence Seminar. Dear Love also knows, knows Sir Ian Lobin, a former head of the GCHQ, who is an advisory board member at the British strategic intelligence and advisory firm Hacklet. Oh boy, remember the names, mm-hmm. which was founded by ah, former MI6 members and retains close ties to UK intelligence services. Now it's making total sense. This is an obvious information laundering scheme using former people, formers, who are passing information through Steele and others who are connected to the FBI. Remember, Steele worked with the FBI on the FIFA case, passing into the, and bypassing official channels, but using these former folks to give it the air that this stuff is legitimate intelligence. Here's another kicker. Hacklett's founders are Christopher James and Mike Reynolds. James and Reynolds are both reportedly very close with Dear Love. So Hacklett is this company that does intelligence work that is staffed with former British Intel, Joe. Hacklett has these two guys on it who are close with Dear Love. Dear Love knows Halper, who was the CIA spy spying on Page. Dear Love also knows the former head of the GCHQ, who's an advisory board member at Hacklett. And who else is on Hacklett? Who was an advisory board member on Hacklett? Alexander Downer, up until 2014. The Australian diplomat who meets Papadopoulos in the bar. Downer was on the advisory board of a firm staffed with former British MI6, former British MI6 guys, which again, according to the piece, former British MI6 guys who work at Hatlet and retain close ties to UK intelligence services. Who exactly was Downer talking to? Who put him up to this? I told you yesterday, Papadopoulos is suspicious. He was, he was recorded by Downer. At this meeting in a London bar. Remember, Downer's an Australian. Right. He's not from the United Kingdom. He is Australian. But he was on the advisory board of a company that hired former British intelligence that retained close ties to active intelligence. This is making all the sense in the world now. Someone needs to get Downer. Someone needs to get down, get down, don't matter, come out the wrong way, get down or over here. And Downer needs to, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it because he's clearly running from this now. Someone needs to pressure Downer to get over here and under oath clean up his role in this whole thing. Because we need to know immediately, was Downer put up to this by someone at Hacklett who was dealing with former British intel? And if they were doing it and it wasn't a former active British intel guy, why were they doing it? Why were they doing it? What were they passing through? And were they doing it with formers in Hacklett to give it the air of, of, of credibility when it was, in fact, a bunch of garbage accusations? Folks, these are critical questions that absolutely have to be answered right now. All right. I got more. Don't go anywhere because this is important. I got. Um, I just wanted to make that that that, that is critical. Crit- to make sense, Joe? Yeah. Were they using so that the yeah. lead on the story... Were they using former British intel guys to pass information to the Obama White House and Hillary's team to give it the air of official intelligence, Mm -hmm. bypassing real intelligence channels because they knew the information was garbage? And it seems awfully odd that Downer was a board member on Hacklet, which is a team of former British intelligence guys, as the United Kingdom is asking Trump not to declassify the information. It seems awfully, awfully suspicious right now. All right, yesterday I gave this uh, a light brush over and it deserved more. So I want to get into now 
Soros. It's a Soros connection to this. According to Ignatius, the conservative boogeyman. Yeah. Uh, nobody's saying that, uh, David. Stop being such a jerk all the time. George Soros is a liberal left-wing guy who has donated a lot of money to fighting conservative causes. Period. That, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just true. What do you do? You not follow any of this? Have you been a the conservative boogeyman? Dope. The Soros connection to this is uh, Chuck Ross is another uh, great piece. I always say this great work. So hat tip to him. Up at the show notes today, a must read on Soros's role in this. I'm going to sum it up for you in a second. Uh, one last read again. I always appreciate your patience. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. Um, today's show also brought to you by Paradigm. Uh, this this uh, the sponsors. They deal with some heavy stuff, and I get it. Sometimes these are tough reads, but it's reality, and we got to confront it. Today's teenagers are dealing with bigger problems way sooner than when I was growing up. With their phones and social media pressure, the school shootings, bullying, suicide, and prescription medication given to everyone for everything, it equals record numbers of young people suffering from debilitating depression, anxiety, and trauma. Most parents feel hopeless to do anything, but there is help available. Paradigm Treatment Centers can help get your teen back and restore your family through their award-winning residential treatment program at one of their six California locations. Youth treatment has a long history of being compliance-based and punitive. That's the wrong approach. Rather than merely containing or shaping behaviors, Paradigm is committed to assisting teens and their families by addressing the deeper, more difficult issues that impact their lives. Paradigm is accredited by the Joint Commission, the gold standard for healthcare accreditation, and has the highest staff-to-teen ratio of any treatment center in the country. If your teen is struggling with depression, anxiety, emotional difficulties, trauma, social media, bullying, or family issues, you're not alone. Paradigm can help. Even if they're not the right person for your family, excuse me, they'll help you find the right place. Go to ParadigmMalibu.com slash Dan to learn more. That's ParadigmMalibu.com slash Dan, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, Malibu, M-A-L-I-B-U, ParadigmMalibu.com slash, excuse me, slash Bongino. Forgive me, folks. ParadigmMalibu.com slash Bongino. ParadigmMalibu.com slash Bongino to learn more. They've got information there for you and a number if you're ready to talk to someone. ParadigmMalibu.com slash Bongino. Check it out. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, Chuck Ross, great piece. Uh, Soros. So here's the deal. We know George Soros has been deeply involved in combating conservative causes for a long time. Uh, here's the essence of the piece here, and here's why this is starting to get really ugly for liberals quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now obviously clear as day that this project to attack Donald Trump's credibility and fabricate a Russian collusion narrative, as I said on yesterday's show, which did record numbers for us, by the way, for a Tuesday, um, they, to fabricate a Russian collusion narrative to cover up the spying operation by Obama's team. Um, it's now apparent that this was not a just a singular effort, that the effort to do it, to keep the collusion narrative a- around and to keep Mueller's team going to attack and potentially impeach the Trump team to avoid uncovering the deep spying scandal is being funded by a number of very uh, wealthy people. It is not just a simply a political operation. It is an outside activist operation as well. That is not in, uh, in, in uh, just a small tertiary uh, uh, point here. This is critical. We now know, according to uh, revealed information Chuck has in his piece here, that Soros funded this project called the Democracy Integrity Project, which in 2017 was started and hired Fusion GPS. Now, I'm going to put this together for you. It's going to leave your eggs a little scrambled in a second. So George Soros uses his, his money, significant amount of money, 
to fund a project called the Democracy Integrity Project, which hires Fusion GPS, the company that produced the hit job Trump fake dossier, right? Which essentially means Soros money was flowing to Fusion GPS. Mm -hmm. Who formed the Democracy Integrity Project in 2017 to continue the Trump investigation after after Trump had been elected president and the collusion narrative started to fall apart. Who, uh, who, uh, who founded that? Dan Jones. You may be like, some of you may be like, whoa. Some of you may be like, what? Some of you may be doing one of those, uh, uh, those dude. Who's that? I don't know. Mm. If you remember the names, Dan Jones was a staffer for Dianne Feinstein who used to sit on the committee that was looking into these things before she stepped aside on that Intel committee. So a staffer for Dianne Feinstein, who was involved in the committee doing all this uh, this um, alleged investigation into Russian collusion, leaves Dianne Feinstein's office. So goes and starts a group called the Democracy Integrity Project that gets money from George Soros and is working with Fusion GPS after, after Joe, Fusion GPS has been entirely discredited for producing a fake dossier on Donald Trump. Folks, they cannot let this go. This collusion narrative and the Bob Mueller team must stay alive. Oh, I'm not done. That's not the egg scrambling part yet. I didn't, I didn't even get to that yet. This is just setting the groundwork. The money is still flowing. Enormous amounts of capital still flowing to people connected to the United States Senate, Dan Jones and others, to ensure that the Russian collusion fairy tale stays alive and Bob Mueller stays on it, despite the fact that to this day, not a scintilla of evidence has actually been produced that this is true. Here's where it gets crazy. What did I tell you yesterday they were covering up? Told you they were covering up a massive spying, political spying scandal and weaponized government by the Obama administration to spy on the opposition political party before the election. Ladies and gentlemen, how many people were involved in this? Remember Evelyn Farkas? Yeah. Remember that Evelyn Farkas clip from MSNBC? She was a, a Department of Defense employee, one on MSNBC right after the election of Trump. It was talking about how serious the collusion was. And she said, it. oh, we had to make sure people up on the Hill got this information. Really? Was Dianne Feinstein and her staffer Dan Jones in on it? Why is Dan Jones so intent on making sure collusion stays alive and the spying scandal gets buried under this mound of Mueller investigations? Who else was involved in this show? Was the information being used by the executive branch in a politicized spying scandal, central intelligence agency assets being sent at the Trump team, potential queries into the 702 database, national security letters, unmaskings, uh, wire, you know, uh, basically, essentially uh, monitoring of Donald Trump team members calls, the use of foreign intelligence to pass information on the Trump team to the United States. How far does this information network go? And was it flowing up on Capitol Hill into the Senate committee? Dianne Feinstein was once a part of. Why'd she leave? Do the leaks make more sense now? The leak investigation. Remember, a Senate staffer on that committee, James Wolf, Joe, was arrested by the FBI and is being prosecuted for making false statements about those leaks. But something happened with Wolf, Joe. So just to be clear, let me just get the lead. I don't want you to mess this up. Mm -hmm. Obviously, collusion's a fairy tale. 
The collusion fairy tale cover is covering up this massive spying scandal. Obama weaponized the government to spy on his political opponents. I believe strongly now that information was shuttled over to Capitol Hill to senators and others who leaked it to the media to damage and destroy political opponents. In order to cover that up, it's very suspicious that a former Senate staffer to Dianne Feinstein left to start an operation, the Democracy Integrity Project, funded by Soros, who still wants to keep this collusion fairy tale alive. Now the leaks start to make more sense and the leakers' protestations make more sense too. So James Wolf, this staffer there, is arrested. James Wolf, if you remember what I covered in the show a few weeks ago, now it's starting to come together, wants in his defense, wants to subpoena the senators on the committee to speak on his behalf in a case. Remember what he was arrested for, Joe? He was arrested and prosecuted, not for the leaks. He was arrested and prosecuted for lying to the FBI about the leaks. Now, mm. now, now, now. Why would Wolf demand that the senators on the committee testify on his behalf in court? Maybe he's not lying. Maybe he thought he was authorized, or maybe his defense is going to be, however uh, honest or disingenuous, Maybe his defense is going to be, Joe, because there's no other reason to call them up there. They told me to leak the information to the press. In other words, this spying network and leaking operation to the media to damage the Trump team. Remember, the media's got a significant role in the in not in the actual spying. They don't have the ability to weaponize government, but they certainly have the information to weaponize the propaganda machine. You get where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah you're darn right. Howard, even Howard Dean has an opinion. Obama team spies, disseminates the information widely up on the Hill. Evelyn Farkas even admitted to it on MSNBC. The Hill people leak it to the media. The media put out the anti-Trump propaganda. They have the ultimate bullhorn. I find it awfully odd that a staffer on the Senate committee responsible for handling that information is calling the senators as witnesses on his behalf that he didn't lie. Not that he didn't leak. Not that somebody's being charged with. Right, right. That he didn't lie. Brilliant. <laughs> Did they tell him to do this? Is this guy getting ready to burn this whole house down? One more thing. Here's a quote from Chuck Ross's piece at the caller. Remember, Dan Jones, again, is a former staffer on that committee as well. Feinstein. Here's a text he sends. Uh, he says, he says, hey, Dan Jones here from the Democracy Integrity Project. Uh, Chris Steele wanted us to connect, he wrote, seemingly referring to Steele. At a meeting two days later, Waldman said that Jones told him that he was working. This is, I'll, get to, I'll explain this in a second. Waldman said that Jones told him he was working with Steele and Fusion GPS. <laughs> that Their project was being funded by Soros and a group of Silicon Valley billionaires. This is just incredible. So Dan Jones is texting Adam Waldman, a lawyer working with Christopher Steele and a Russian oligarch, Oleg Deripaska, who I told you has some very suspicious ties uh, to people involved in this case and the production of information from Russia, right? So Jones is texting the lawyer for that guy and the lawyer for Steele suggesting that they should meet 
And he says two days later, Jones admits that he's working with Steel and Fusion GPS. So he's working with the guy who fabricated the collusion nonsense and Fusion GPS and that their project's being funded by Soros. Folks, again, this isn't about boogeymen and conspiracy theories. It's about you and I reasonably and factually evaluating a series of publicly available information at this point. In my case, based on some sourcing to back some of this up in the background and evaluating it as common sense human beings. It's clear as day right now that this project by Dan Jones was a, a, a project to keep the, 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 the dossier delusion. He's working with Steele. He says it in the text. He's recommending, he's texting Waldman. Hey, Waldman, we should meet. Steele said so. And that the project is being funded by very wealthy left-wingers who understand that once the myth that Obama was a good guy and he was in for good government, and government's a positive force in your life, once that myth gets destroyed by exposing this massive spying scandal, the weaponization of the Hill, the weaponization of Hill staffers, the weaponization of the Obama White House and the intelligence community, the weaponization of the media to propagandize and put out negative political opposition research as a massive bullhorn. Once this gets exposed, the Democrat Party is going to be, they're going to take decades to recover from this. That's the reason they're so desperate to keep this collusion fairy tale alive and well, folks. There it is. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. <sighs> All right, listen, today's going to be a big day. Yeah. Um, I'm not, Joe and I aren't sure what to do. If we do a show tonight to cover, or if we do a finish it up tomorrow, I'm not sure. Uh, just stay tuned. Uh, do me a favor. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's free, but it, it really rockets us up the charts. Uh, it's available on iTunes. It's available at SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, it's absolutely free, but it's the subscriptions. Clicking that subscribe button and the follow button on iHeart that actually helps. So thank you very much. It means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we may be back later, maybe back tomorrow, but um, this is going to be a serious day. So we'll see what happens. See you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.